Welcome to All Things Candid, hosted by me, Bajani Ghosh. Here I have honest conversations with fellow creatives to get an insight of their eventful journey and shed light on the media scene. Through this podcast, I will try my best to help you navigate a career in the creative industry, which at times can be quite daunting. everyone is doing well and keeping healthy for this week's episode i chat with mehak malhotra popularly known as giggling monkey on the internet she definitely giggles a lot staying true to her name mehak is a designer and a visual artist who's also the founder of a design studio giggling monkey studio she shares her journey from growing up in an army family to various experiences she had that led to her understanding of aesthetics and eventually realizing her passion for design and how she worked towards it at an early age We are aware that every single project begins with an inspiration. Meg helps us to identify when an inspiration becomes a blatant copy. This is something commonly seen in the design industry. We also discuss in depth the importance of drawing up a contract to deal with various projects and clients. Towards the end we get into talking about numbers and how can designers and freelance artists charge strategically for a design service. In the All Things Candid Hack 101 special segment, Meg tells us ways one can diversify and grow their design business. Have fun listening to us. Hey. Hi. You look exactly like the cover of your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's quite easy to illustrate yourself when you have a fringe. It's so cool. That's really really cool. That's damn nice. Thank you for having me. In fact, I'm so glad that you could make some time and be a part of my podcast. So thank you so much. And yeah, let's get started. So tell me what did you study and how did you reach where you are today you know having your own design studio called Giggling Monkey Studio So uh my dad's in the army my mom is a teacher so everybody who's a man in the family was in the army and everybody who's a woman was a teacher or an educator When I was growing up I didn't see any other way from these things you know I was like oh you grow up you become into a teacher or you you know join the army that's the only thing but uh i don't know i never recognized myself as an artist till i was like much older but i always had a knack of like looking at things from a point of view where um you know if something stands out or something that's very mundane but has like a colorful type or leheria dupatta you know dupattas and sarees from like rajasthan embroidery from gujarat so my mom used to go shop for all of these things wherever we stayed and as kids we used to accompany her A lot of my education, which was not formal, actually, came from these experiences of understanding aesthetics in general. And uh, when I grew up a little bit, I think I was in eighth or ninth grade, is when I decided that you know I don't want to become the ideal career choices that were there because I was always inclined towards creating things and making things. And uh, because of the army background, we moved houses a lot. like every 2 years we had a new house so we had like a new place to decorate and call it our home and i think that's where that entire thing stems from where i'm i can create from whatever i have and that diy culture sort of fit in um then i took up humanities in 11th and 12th got through school then uh i was looking up different colleges when i was younger and I think NID and NIFT were the only two that popped up at that point. Uh, like six years ago, I was like, okay, I mean, design, art, same thing, I guess. 
just let's apply for something and get out of like there are doing and just see how the world is so my idea of coming to nift bombay uh, was that you know even if the college sucks i can i'm in bombay i can intern at different places and learn and that was my idea yeah it's a great city for exposure and you know like just networking yeah so i came here and i was in college till like 2018 two years back i studied fashion communication at nif bombay um i don't know how much of my education comes from college versus what i learned apart from college around that time i got my uh, how not to be what not to do from my college but then i did intern at like quite a few places and i realized one thing that the job profile that i'm looking at or the kind of work that i'm looking to do does not fit one profile you know it's like i would also be into art direction illustration graphic design photography like i would like to contribute to the entire system of the project in a way where you know it leads to a much more harmonious result and because i realized when i was working on like various teams with people teams were not talking to each other in a way where the ideas communicated properly and the brilliant ideas would get lost in translation so i thought that you know i'm going to try to freelance in all of these fields to understand how much i can understand and you know improve on and eventually work so the idea of registering the studio was only to be taken more seriously because i had like had pink hair i was 18 and i didn't dress up like the most convincing people on the planet where people would be like ha oh, is ko project do do i would be the last person in the room if somebody had to trust their project because you know how uh, appearances play an important role when you it comes to like client because they want to see an older man behind like a desk being like hmm hamare studio mein service milegi aapko yeah. i'm just like yeah i can't do that so i registered <laughs> Yeah, tell me about it because I go through the same thing. And does it matter how old you are or how much experience you have? You know, they just judge you by the look, and it is so frustrating. Yeah, I was like, okay, let me register like a sole proprietorship under the name Giggling Monkey Studio because yeah. everybody knows Giggling Monkey, and it'll be just more fun to have uh, you know studio attached to it and see how people react to it. And they took it pretty well like i got a lot of work and it was it was fine it was like an experiment but then that made me realize that how i could uh, you know just sort of push the limits slowly on everything to see what works and i think that is one thing so i think giggling monkey studio is based on that ideology that i like making these things if you like making these things let's make these things together you know that's the idea behind it right so in college it worked pretty well because i had a gst number i had a pan number where when you raise invoices people don't like uh fuck with you to be honest like <laughs> like otherwise if they see there's a girl with pink hair behind that invoice they probably will chuck it into the trash and be like isko hum agle saal pay karenge So stuff like that it it made me realize it's just how you present yourself to the world at the end of the day uh people were writing us emails saying that we would like to intern at your prestigious studio and i was like whoa 
today i'm going to celebrate someone said that to me <laughs> so it was just as simple as that understanding uh, human psychology uh, not in a very technical way but in a way how people react to certain things ha uh, so if you have to sum up your whole journey in one sentence what would that be one sentence maybe that can sum that all up is that i think i'm here today because one i didn't plan it maybe that's why it's like you don't expect anything at the end of you know working hard or not hard it's just like you're working towards something you don't know where you're going to go so even i don't know at this point where am i going to go beyond this but i want to grow as a person as an artist as a design studio i want to be somebody who knows their shit like that's my end goal <laughs> it's like no one will be able to mess with you because you are aware of everything and yeah that's a really good aim to have So having said that in your 6 years of being in this industry have you faced any difficulty dealing with a client and how did you go about it So <laughs> unfortunately as much as designing looks like an easy job it's like being a magician a lot of people don't understand what you do uh so explaining what you do to a client who has come for a certain project sometimes can get difficult because they're expecting something because of the terminologies maybe it's different but you have to really ask and ask and ask and ask till the answer is full to to achieve like a brief my uh, first few things or first few steps i realized i need to take to like overcome uh, any sort of uh, business mishap first to first legally shield yourself because I think in general, when we are working with anyone, we believe that the other person is as good as we are, and unfortunately, it's not the case. The same, like every single time, one on ten clients might be somebody who teaches you a lesson, and uh, that's the reason why I think initial days. Luckily, when I was in college, I learned by my mistakes. Did a project, got the advance, completed the project. the company or the cafes that i worked with painted over the work that we did and they said that you know we didn't use it for so long so we're not going to clear the rest of the amount so i was like but we delivered the entire project to you and this is when i was 17 and a half 18 years of age and this came through somebody i knew and i was like okay now what to do i spoke to a few people they were like do you have a contract in place i was like what is a contract and how does that work and that was my first lesson of understanding what a working contract is it's just a paper which is signed by both the parties which has some fancy vocabulary stating that they will not or not pay you at the end of you know you completing the work or and stuff like that and i think from that day to today uh the contract is ever evolving because we try to uh tailor it as perfectly as possible to each client so that we if we understand something from the tone of a person when we are talking to them we understand this might be a problem in the future you know so state that in the contract it's not going to be of any harm if they don't uh, cross that or they don't prove to do that uh now we have clauses in our contract where if we work with somebody they cannot imitate the work that we're doing because uh if you think about it the work we are creating for them is for them but then when 
you don't work with a person anymore they can use that same language which is very signature to giggling monkey studio correct yeah as their brand and that is not their brand language like if you commission somebody for an artwork use variations of it but don't just try to recreate it in your own ways this happened to us recently with like eight to nine projects and we were like where are we going wrong and what is it that we're not taking care of we also sort of added a clause of a termination period or a notice period because a lot of times when you go into projects people are like actually we changed our mind now we're not doing the project anymore but how do you safeguard yourself from that is like something i learned last year till last year i didn't know that existed and that was something we can do so there's this thing called as a notice period that people usually give to a company or a company gives to a person for a month usually till the like either of the people find more work or somebody to fit into that position so we thought why can't we put it into our system and into our practice so we termed it as a termination period so if somebody is cancelling a contract they are bound to work with you for another month or 15 days whatever the arrangement is okay, yeah. and they have to pay you for that much those many days and you have to work for them for those many days that way 20 days might go by and you can still find other work to replace that source of income and luckily that always happens and you know that falls into place but it's just smaller things on the go you realize can now we are young and you know these things we can address and talk about and just a lot of friends about but when you're older and you're much serious company and you have bigger projects coming in when there is going to be a deal that goes down that is worth like lakh that is when you you need to prepare yourself for that day it's great that you spoke about contracts and it's a really important discussion to have so we will be talking about this later in the interview but for now i want to talk about you know how like you know everyone has an inspiration board and a mood board from where they start like a reference thing and from there they start creating something you know like so tell me like when does an inspiration end up being a blatant copy i think the moment you can start recognizing that it looks like something on the inspiration board and you can't like get over it and it keeps coming back to you and i think a third opinion is a very good thing a second opinion might be somebody like who you know you've told everything about For example, if I'm working on a project and I have a certain mood board and inspiration board, I'm always sharing my work with my friends. Like there's three, four friends that I'm very close to, and I'm like, "Hey guys, so this is what I'm going to do, and this is how it's going to be." So they're like, "Okay, cool, cool." Now, if I want an opinion on if it like copy or like you know if it reminds you of something, I think that's the best question to ask. Just ask your mom or your dad. Like you know, does this remind you of something? second ask somebody in your field if it reminds them of something because your mom and dad dad might not have researched so much then also as an artist i think you need to be aware and alert educate yourself constantly about what's happening in the world what are the trends uh so sometimes there are brands that you know come to designers or like any freelance artist with like a reference image and wants you to copy the exact same thing So how do you like deal with clients like that or like projects? If brands come to me and they like, hey, we want to look like this brand. As a designer, I like I don't work with brands like that because it just why would you want to be something that already exists? I know that that brand has had its success, 
you can learn from that brand take the strengths from that brand but you don't have to emulate every single detail of your brand uh when i was in college i read this book called uh, steal like an artist in that book he stated this rule i don't know if i'm recalling properly but it was like a five step rule to like uh originality or like creating something that doesn't infringe emotional or legal boundaries what did the rules say so you need to change key fundamentally five things about a design to call it your own it cannot be changing smaller details and being like hey this is a new project they always say that you know uh, imitation is a form of flattery i don't think so call people out if they're copying your work simple like if somebody is economically benefiting from a style that you have invented inventor is not the right word because we have come to be late to the party on planet earth like things have existed gone come back so you can't let somebody else get 5 lakh for something that for the way you think yeah and correct. for the way you function i think that is wrong so you need to be at a place and point where you can be like hey i don't think that's okay doing this is not not okay absolutely all our clients come with references there is no way of escaping inspiration you know but there is a way of using that inspiration properly and i think that is to spark more ideas yeah. it's not to use that same idea and inspiration should be like a magic it should light more ideas and a lot of times the work of a designer is to convince clients rather than deliver so true and i think that is something the sooner you get comfortable with as an artist the better it is and a lot of times for designers when they're presenting their work to the clients make sure that you use mockups because a lot of times clients don't have the imagination or the power to imagine something in its true form so most of the times a lot of work might go rejected because they can't imagine it as correct you know so i think that is one really key thing you you need to understand how much a client knows in order to tell them ki okay boss this is the scene this is how it is and we can do it but this is how we're going to switch it up and change it so that you still get the same effect you're not copying something but also i think yeah as designers it's our duty to say it you know i think a lot of people quietly go ahead do these things and a lot of people don't understand they are very bad like their legal uh, situations i know people have landed into because they were comfortable with copying something because companies blame it on the designer and the designer has nobody else right so contracts can save you from that shit as well everybody please please remember contracts can really save you and act as a great protective shield they are super important and since you have highlighted its importance throughout the interview so if you could help us with a few key points or probably like a legalities one should keep in mind while running a freelance design business so uh, make sure that you send an email uh, to the client if they haven't sent you an email regarding the project to confirm the project which includes the timeline uh, the budget and the deliverables basically the scope of work that has been discussed over call or over text or whatever put it on email get a confirmation on email and then only you can start ideating don't start working till you receive a 50% uh, 
advance i think that is a very important thing sometimes clients don't pay 50% you can ask for a 25% advance make sure you have some money in hand before you start the project i think it's super important to have a contract in place because it's not just a document it's a scary document to make things work it's legal and everybody is scared of legal stuff also when you send a contract make sure you receive a signed copy back only then it's valid otherwise what happens is that people sign a contract and send and then they wait for generations and that contract never comes and then they're like hey let's put a case against this person and tell them they had signed this contract and you realize that person had never signed the contract so that's the reason yeah. why make sure you always get and um, one more important thing is whenever you're working with any client doesn't matter if they have commissioned you yet or not if you're discussing any idea that they can use make sure you sign an nda like a non disclosure agreement which is basically like you know if you're talking to somebody and you're just like hey you can do this also right and then they use that and they make something out of it and they don't pay you so that is one thing you can completely avoid by having that in place because these are the two things you need signatures on to be safe for example if you're pitching something and you're like hey this might impress the client let me make a good presentation and send it before you sign the contract and before you send the ideas that middle phase where yeah the the project is still like maybe maybe not to get that pakka you are trying to impress the client right hey we know this we can do this but those ideas that you tell them in the middle need to stay protected so i think an nda is like a thinner jacket and then your contract is like a wind cheater like it protects you from like harsh winds <laughs> but yeah that that's really i'm good. absolutely loving the various examples <laughs> you have been using you know to demonstrate your points they're quite accurate you know so yeah like one more very important thing that i want to talk about in this interview would be you know how can a designer like a graphic designer or an artist strategically charge for various design services okay this is very important and it's also easy actually how i go about it is uh, understanding who the client is what uh, so you can charge people in two ways one is social currency and the other one is money so you understand who you're working with if you're working with say for example um somebody who has five other friends who have five other businesses that can potentially round up and come to you so you can work with them at a certain price that's comfortable for you it's not exuberant but say it opens up those circles where you can get the work so uh, build a relationship with this person where they refer you to these friends now in a general way it's also called contact like contact building right so when you're doing this you're not just like creating work but you're also building contacts or like people who hold a certain power in a certain industry to be able to give you or to like you enough to give you a project or like like your work so i think that is one thing um the other way is to charge for money which is basically i uh practice this where i increase my base price of a general service by 10% every year like if i started with say 10000 rupees for a logo when i was in college that is because i had my parents sending me money i could afford to do that 
and when somebody is coming to a college student understand one thing they are trying to save money they would go to a professional otherwise right so uh, you know make the money while you can make it but also see if sharing that or that client as per se having them on your portfolio is going to get you more uh, credibility so that way it's financial and social as well so working with a company like google doesn't just give you money but it also gives you hey that person has worked with google so their work comes in that tier of work yeah so it's a way of sort of positioning yourself um i <laughs> i'm sorry i think i'm guilty of this but when i'm working with somebody i go and see who these people are like you know it's called research it's not called stalking go and see if the person you're working with has a mercedes and they're showing it off on instagram or not just if that is the case then if they can afford that just ask them and if they don't want to give you that money or if they can't afford it they'll tell you but there's no harm in trying you know you should just be like you know actually we work with like 6 lakh rupees for a branding project and you reason yeah. it out why you're charging them 6 lakh so when you're telling them 6 lakh you can't just be like ha 6 lakh you can you will have to make a deck before after signing an nda which you're stating that you know this is the scope of work when i'm doing your branding i'm doing your typefaces your color palette your photography uh, guidelines like how you should click pictures what mood they should fall into if you want to use these pictures for your campaigns how are they going to be placed how your logo can be manipulated in different ways so you stated it's basically the uh, contents of a brand guideline book that you state in a scope of work so i think that is one way of going about it and uh, always stand by the work that you are promising you know at the end of the day if you are saying okay you are going to charge somebody 6 lakh rupees for a branding project make sure that you are doing work that is worth 6 lakh you can't be giving them 5000 rupee logo it means you have to do that much research that much brainstorming ideation those many catches while i'm saying this don't base off your relationships or your friendships on these things because this is a work level of understanding it's like being in a classroom and understanding who are the people you can hang out with and who are the people who you can sit next to and get extra marks by cheating off them in an exam it's being street smart i guess it comes with you with experience and the number of years you've been in the industry and once you've done a couple of projects you get a hang of it in the process but yeah like do you recommend having like a rate card of sorts for designers in terms of like for example like designing a logo you charge like x amount and then you know depending on what all extra needs you add to it or do you suggest that you know they tailor make the you know the charges and the amount as and when clients come in i think you can always have a minimum amount and build from that so working for 6 years i have understood that okay i have come so far with my knowledge and skill set this is the minimum i deserve you know for thinking so much and making a logo so i don't want to go under that for me i think i have kept 50000 rupees for just a logo now this logo is a logo with three changes 
I will not give you a color palette or a font guide or a, anything with it. Fifty thousand is like how much I want to base maintain it. Now I can keep adding features. Try not going under it because you have grown from ten thousand to fifty thousand. By going back, you're just going back on your own growth. So that will affect you psychologically more than anything else. And if, for example, if I have projects which are paying my bills, if I don't mind helping somebody out with a brilliant idea, I don't mind working on a lower cost. But then again, not at the expense of my own uh, economic condition. Definitely, it's something super important to keep in mind. And you have said some very interesting points in this interview, and I've learned a lot. So thank you. And yeah, tell me what is next in store for you. What is Giggling Monkey Studio working on right now? We're definitely giggling, <laughs> but we're moving the studio to another place, and we're trying to document it from scratch. Like the place that's getting painted, I told you about. We're documenting it from scratch so that we can expand the portfolio to space design and space. optimization and i'm very excited about it because i personally love decorating spaces this sounds great and i'm really excited to see how the final space lo- turns out to be please share images and yeah let's move on to the next segment so now it is time for the all things candid hack 101 segment where i ask my guests to enlighten us with a particular industry hack tips or tricks that they have learned over the years The question for you is tell me how can one diversify and grow a design business um keep experimenting with the skill sets that you can experiment with strengthen your foundation like you must have one go to skill that is uh foolproof or like idiot proof right um yeah. if you are an illustrator try uh try hand and mediums and try selling those canvases you know you can sell anything on the internet right now <laughs> that's true so i think assess what you're doing while when you're experimenting right you can always see what can be an addition to the entire thing for example um if i am getting into space design how can my work be expanded to a carpet or a sofa cover or a pillow cover or a you know you get it like how can i just not yeah. draw on digital or like on a canvas and expand it to other mediums and see how it fits and while you're doing that you can also experiment with your voice great it was quite informative and thank you for sharing so much i'm so happy i'm so glad this like you know we i could be a part of this thank you so much Hey thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you got to learn a lot because Meg was such a delight to speak with and definitely go follow her work on Instagram her handle is giggling_monkey g i g g l i n g m o n k e y and don't forget to follow me as well okay bye have a great week tuning in the all things candid podcast hope you guys enjoyed this interview if you did then please leave a nice rating and review 
Subscribe if you haven't already. You can find me on Instagram at Pajarani Ghosh. Hope you guys have the best day ever. Bye.